Good morning. Welcome as we come to worship this morning. Um, a very changeable day, um, but we come to worship the God who is unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So whether you've gathered in person or online this morning, we bid you a warm welcome in the name of Christ as we come to worship. Um, let's just pray as we begin this morning, using the collect for this third Sunday of parenting. Almighty God, you've broken the tyranny of sin and you've sent the spirit of your Son into our hearts, whereby we call you Father. Give us grace to dedicate our freedom to your service, that we and all creation may be brought to the glorious liberty of the children of God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Matthew 5 and 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We gather together as a community of believers with one purpose to worship, to be united in our purpose, in our gathering as disciples of Jesus, that we might go out and be salt and light in the world around us. And so in the next few moments as we gather, we set this time aside to focus on him and to receive from him. The reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 11. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. In one sense that passage from uh, Luke today is a fairly well-known one if we've been about uh, church or, or heard God's word uh, over a number of years, we've maybe heard about Jesus sending out the 72. Um, that sense of sending out, um, that sense of the, there being evangelism, um, or mission, or reaching out, or speaking up, um, can um, seem very difficult. Um, things sometimes, especially uh, for us as believers, we can seem as if it's hard to do. We're not sure what to say or when to say it. Um, sometimes we hear those words of evangelism or mission, and we have an image in our head of what that means, and we think, that's not me, uh, I hold back from that. And yes, some are gifted at evangelism. We know that from the Scriptures. That, that's quite clear. Um, we're told that, um, especially in Ephesians chapter 4, that some have the gift of evangelism, but we're all to discharge the duties of an evangelist, to share our stories, not to become complacent with it, um, but to uh, share with other people. Many of you maybe have already heard some of my story, and whenever I first it was saved at the age of 13. I told nobody about it. My voice was very silent. I told my mum and dad, and that was all. 
um, and I kept quiet for nearly five years before I went to university. And at university, I met other people who were Christians and who kind of saw me as a wee project because they didn't see any Christian life or light in me because uh, I wasn't showing or sharing that. And they drew alongside me and they loved me and something drew out of me at that point. And I recommitted my life. And I remember praying in a little uh, bedroom, tiny little bedroom in Portrush overlooking the police station on Eglinton Street uh, in Portrush and praying a very simple prayer, asking God to come into my, he's already in my life, but recommitting my life to God and simply saying, God, I know you're here. Um, and from this day forward, I will no longer be quiet for you. Little did I understand that that would mean a whole different change in personality type for me in, in some sense uh, as well. Um, but sometimes we find it hard and difficult to know what to do and when to do it. And so in a sense, with those fears and those trepidations in place, before we dive into this passage, let's pray for a moment. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that your presence never leaves us and you don't forsake us. Um, Lord, that you gift us, you guide us, you give us what we need for the moment. Um, so Lord, in this moment, as we open your word, may it be your word and my words that speaks deep into your heart or being, or very soul, and in this moment, Lord, may your Holy Spirit inspire us um, into the next step on our journey with you, whatever that might be, and whatever that might look like. In your name we pray, amen, amen. I know, really hard to believe that before uh, the age of uh, 18 or 19, I was quite shy um, and quiet and reserved. I know uh, some people find that hard to believe, even though I am shy and reserved, even today. Um, but there is something shifted in me as I prayed that simple prayer about not being silent for God. For me, that I thought that meant I would no longer deny him, um, but something shifted in me in the very core of my being. Uh, and in a sense, looking back, I can now, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Looking back, I can see with hindsight that was God beginning to prepare me uh, for the role that I would now take, uh, the, the vocation, the calling that he has in my life and leading churches um, and leading this church and leading um, how you need to be up front and out there as opposed to shy uh, and behind the door. And so I'm thankful to God and how he has shifted and changed me um, over those years. But as we think about that, sometimes we get nervous about what it means for us. What does it mean to be sending out? What does it mean that God is going to send us out into our community? How am I going to have to change or what am I going to have to change for that to be a factor? And we're, that's, that's kind of what we're going to look at um, today. Luke chapter 10 and verse 1 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was to go. The Lord anointed and appointed the 72. He anointed and appointed the 72. He did something special with them. And he said, this is your moment. This is your time to step out of your comfort zone and to go. But you also have been appointed and anointed by the Lord to do exactly the same thing. Whenever we've given our lives to Jesus, and as the Spirit lives within us, we are anointed and appointed and called not simply to be ourselves for ourselves, but to be ourselves for God's kingdom where he has sown us and planted us. They were sent. And so are we, you and I, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go into the ends of all the world, beginning first in Jerusalem, then Judea, and so on until you get to the end of the earth. But start where you are. Often we hear about evangelism and mission, we imagine 
that sometimes we have to go to a foreign country or we have to travel a long distance or we have to go to a different town or a different city to be effective. But actually, Jesus appointed and anointed them to start where they were and to journey out from that place. And so where you are right now is the most important place for you to be. Your home, your family, your street, your school, your workplace, your social circle, that is the place where you can be most effective for the Lord. Verse 2 says, He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's the case where we're fearful and we carry the feelings of unworthiness, of unreadiness, or of inability. We feel that we are unworthy, unready, and unable. The Lord has called us, He has prepared us, and He has gifted us. And so we can step out with courage in the knowledge that He not only is with us, but He goes before us. And I think sometimes we have that fear and that trepidation. Uh, sometimes we carry those feelings of unworthiness or inability because actually, verse 3 speaks into it. It says, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Like, <laughs> even the image of that kind of makes you go, Oh, I don't want to be one of those, please. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't want to be a lamb amongst a wolf. Uh, mm, that, that's, that's not a nice ending. Please, no. But what is Jesus saying? He's saying, for all ages, for all generations, you will, as you go out with his name into the place that you are sown, and that's not necessarily going out to a different city or town, as we've said, but to the place that you're sown into. That means that you're stepping into sometimes a hostile environment where people will not always be receptive to what you have to say or what you are carrying with you. And sometimes pastors, ministers are, are the worst for this bit, actually. The people that we get up at the front to speak sometimes are the great evangelists, the ones who are totally gifted by it, and the ones who walk out into the Belsize Road and all of a sudden there is revival because they have, they're able to carry the message of Jesus to that place and they see so many people come into faith and come into the kingdom of God. And we, we hold those stories up sometimes too far, too high. We set them on a pedestal. And so actually then we, the church, begin to feel that we are unable, unworthy, unable to do that. I can't do that. However, in my experience, the majority of evangelism, of mission, of reaching out happens not in the big organized events, rather in the everyday. In you and I being his hands and his feet. You and I being ourselves in the places that he's shown us, serving as an ordinary believer, knocking a door and saying hello, lifting a phone and saying, how are you today? Dumbing a little card through the door setting a loaf or a pot of jam on someone's door to simply encourage them that day. Sometimes those little ordinary moments mean the world to others that we will never know or see. And in those little moments of generosity, in those little moments of reaching out, the seeds are sown in a way that any of the big organized events can't do. And often it's the bigger organized events that reap the harvest of the many seeds that have been sown quietly 
by you and I over months, years, or even decades. Because he says, when in verse 5, whenever you enter a house, first say, peace to that house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest. And if not, I will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give to you for the worker deserves his wages. And do not move around from house to house. If you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's set before you. Heal the sick and tell them, heal the the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near. I know, we, we all know that there are some who will welcome conversations about Jesus and there are others who will shut the door in our face. There are others who will close the conversation down. There are others who will mock us because of us. There are others today across the world whose lives are in danger because they are living for Jesus. Now, our lives are not in danger because we live for Jesus in this culture and in this community. We pray for our brothers and our sisters across the world this morning who are and who do find themselves in that place. But for us in this culture, in this community, it is equally as important for us to reach out, to speak up, to share and to show the love of Jesus even whenever we think it's not going to be received in the way that we would like. There will be those who will always remain closed to the conversation about Jesus. And it's not your job, nor my job, in a sense, to force the gospel upon them. That is the beauty of the Christian faith. Jesus lived, died, and rose again. He defeated death, and he offers us the gift of life. He offers us the gift of life. And we choose whether we receive and accept or not. Our duty is to be faithful. To be faithful in the sharing of our story. Because your story is really important. Your story is actually really, really powerful. You might not think it, but it is. Those moments where you've leaned into God and you've received from him. Those moments where you've prayed and you've seen an answer to it. Those moments where you've had joy and moments of despair. Those moments where you've had hope, where everything seems hopeless. Those are the nuggets of a story that need to be shared. Our duty is to be faithful in the sharing of our story. The story of how Jesus has changed us. How we bring hope and strength salt and light into the world around us. The story of how we are confident of heaven, but joyful in this moment. That is our duty. That is our role. In this moment, we are leaving room for the Holy Spirit to do his work. The sending out does not mean a different city or a different town or a different country starting where you are. The same thing I does not mean that we try to force what it is that we believe upon other people, but that we simply live our lives for Jesus and allow our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears to be his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears, and his love in our community. I remember um, having a conversation with uh, several family members, not my family members, of a particular family uh, at one stage. 
convinced that they'd all become Christians and they were convinced that this other individual in their family needed to become a Christian. They had to. He had to become a Christian. The passion within them was amazing. The overwhelming urge um, to see their family brought into the kingdom of God, into the fold of the Lord was immense. But to the point where they were pushing him away, to the point where they want nothing to do with that. It's too much, it's too much. I remember the rest of the family asking, would I visit this individual and convince him he needed to become a Christian? I remember the first conversation I had with him, and my, it started like this. I'm not here to convince you to become a Christian. And look at me and said, what? But you're the minister. And I said, I know I am. But I'm not here to convince you to become a Christian. I'm here if you want to have a conversation about what that might look like, to have a conversation. And I can share and show you what it means to me. And over a period of months, over a period of allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work in that gentleman's life, he did give his life to the Lord. But sometimes we try to do too much and not allow room for God to do what God needs to do. That sense of conviction from the Holy Spirit, that sense of urgency that the Holy Spirit places in our lives, we know that there's something missing. We know that we need something else. That is the work of God. Some people may not receive it, but we still need to do it. We've kind of glanced over verse 8 there, actually. Whenever you enter a town and are welcome to eat whatever is set before you, and as I felt the Lord calling me into ministry, the first step of that for me was, was um, yes, I'd served in my local church for many years, but the first step of that for me uh, into more structured ministry was to take a year out and travel uh, Ireland, the length and breadth of Ireland, 26 different parishes doing short-term youth ministry or youth mission stuff over the period of a year. And we landed to near enough the center of Ireland uh, for a confirmation weekend and to lead a confirmation weekend. Um, as we landed there, we were told that we were going to go to a particular farmhouse and they were going to provide us um, some food. Um, and this verse always sticks to me. Whenever you enter a town and are welcome, you eat what is set before you. That year, whatever was set before us, we had to eat because was, that was it. That was what we had. We ate it. Um, whenever we entered that farmhouse, um, well, we stepped out of the car to start off with and we, we were presented with a pair of wellies because you needed wellies to walk across the farmyard. So we kind of got the impression this was going to be an interesting meal um, to start off with. Um, but as we entered the farmhouse, um, we uh, found the, the, the lady at the back door, and she said, do you like venison? I'd never had venison before. Never had venison before. I thought, I'd love to try venison. Yeah, fantastic. Come on in. She says, that's what we're having for dinner tonight. Then through the back porch, and I walked into the kitchen. The deer was on the table. It had been cooked in the barn and brought in on the table. I said, oh, did you, did you just kill that recently? Aye, they were out lumping foxes two weeks ago. And it says we, we, we cooked it the next day and we've just eaten off it ever since. It wasn't refrigerated. It wasn't anything. We were just carving bits off it and having a meal. I've never tried venison again. Ever. But in that conversation, 
over that meal in my awkwardness. In that conversation, I began to realize that actually this family did not have the Damascus Road experience that many of us look towards, that flashing, blinding light of conversion. Their story was an Emmaus Road story, a story where they had journeyed with God for a number of years, not quite seeing who he was in all of his fullness, but like those disciples on the Emmaus Road, whenever Jesus broke bread, their eyes were opened and everything was revealed. And actually, I think that's the story of many of us. We have journeyed with God for a number of years. And there's a moment where our eyes are opened when we see Jesus in a different way. And we receive him as our saviour. And in our sending out, in our reaching out, in our being his hands and his feet, in our sowing the little seeds of the everyday, we are helping people on an Emmaus Road experience. Because it is our duty to tell others about Jesus. Verse 11 says, even the dust of your of your town sticks to your feet and you wipe it off, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, I will be more bearable in that day for Sodom than for that time. Even the moments never we feel that what we have to say is not being received, we still declare God's kingdom. It's not you that's being rejected in that moment. Often it is God. Often people say things to me about God, about faith, about lots of things. And over the period of years, I've had to learn that some, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, that's not personal towards me. It's because of the dog collar. It's because of the position that I hold that people want to vent that anger or that oppression towards me. And sometimes it's not personally towards you as people reject it. It's the rejection of the good news of the gospel. And that's comfort. There's a little bit of comfort in that moment that encourages us to continue because it isn't personal. It's a rejection, their rejection of God. So what are we to do with this? Because actually, as we look at this, and this passage is often used at harvest times and about not enough workers in the field. And actually, everybody in this building should get up and go out now um, and do a lot more. Uh, for Jesus. And that's not necessarily what I've been saying all the way along today. So what are we to do with this? We're to tell others that the kingdom of God is near. That's twice in this passage. It says at first down at verse 11, tell others that the kingdom of God is near. And you can only do that in your way. And for some of us, that will be in an upfront way at the front with a microphone and I'll be saying the kingdom of God is near and you need to repent and get right with God. For others, that will be in an upfront way, in a smaller meeting, in conversations, in, in, in a supermarket or in someone's home or whatever. We will have the courage to do that. For others, it will be those little moments of sowing the seeds on the Emmaus road journey. The little moments of encouragement the little moments of sharing of what God has done for you. 
But whatever way it is, only you can do it in the way that you've been designed to do it. To tell others that the kingdom of God is near. Tell them this by being his hands and his feet. Tell them this by being his eyes and his ears. Tell them this by being yourself. Tell them this because you're the one who carries his presence, the presence of Jesus with you into all of your situations. You carry the kingdom of God. The thing that is very near and precious, you carry that into the situations around you. Be encouraged at what you're doing. Be encouraged at how you sow the seeds. Be encouraged at how you build the faith. And be encouraged in your way to declare that the kingdom of God is near. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are near, close and dear. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is loving and merciful and a God who has given us the gift of new life. So Lord, as we carry your presence, help us to share and to show the good news of your kingdom. In the everyday, in the smallest of the moments, give us courage to take them and give us courage Praise to be ourselves, the one who is destined to be with you. In your name we pray. Amen. And we conclude today hearing some words from Romans chapter 15 um, and verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the blessing of God Almighty. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless one each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen.